Hey everybody, uh, again, we apologize for our technical difficulties, but sometimes, you know, uh, it just happens. It's just the way it is. But we're, we're going to do the best we can. We're going to continue on Facebook. We have some YouTube uh, happening, but it's kind of uh, given us some issues as well. So today we are looking uh, back in the book of the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And really, what it really is all about is the fact that Jesus is speaking to the church. He's speaking to uh, specific churches, but really these relate to the church today. He's speaking to each church and each one of us today in these last days and these last times. And I think, I think one of the things we do realize is that, that we are in the last times, that, that something is going on and, and, and things are, are, are going on and taking place in our world that are, that are setting it up for the, the, the last of the last days, I believe. The, the church we looked at last week was a church at Pergamum, and, and they lived in a very dangerous place where Satan had his throne. But the Lord knew all about where they were, and, and first he commends them for the good things, the fact that they had held fast to his name, uh, that they didn't renounce their faith, uh, and that they, uh, excuse me, but can you get me the, the clicker or... or is it back there? Sorry, we've we got all kinds of stuff going on today, but uh, I needed to, re, uh, to advance the slides for you, those of you that can actually see them. Uh, so they, they had, you know, the good uh, that was going on. They held fast to his name. They didn't renounce their faith, but there were some bad things that were going on too, and it's kind of the, the, the fact that they were compromising. They had false teachers, and and uh, which led them to idolatry and, and to sexual immorality. And, and the Lord Jesus told them to repent. He told them to repent of compromise and, and to uh, get rid of some of those things. And, and that all those that would overcome, he said he would give them to the, the hidden manna and that he would give them a white stone with a new name. So this is kind of a familiar pattern in these letters where, where the Lord knows all about their situation, but he, he, would, he would sort of compliment them on the good. And, but then he always, you know, except for the last uh, in, in uh, the church in Smyrna, he, he always had something that he had to deal with them. And for, for most of us, there's something that he needs to deal with us with. Now today, uh, we move on and it kind of moves around a circle around this area, which is in our, our modern day Turkey. But uh, this circle, the, the next church is the church of Thyatira, and it was a very small city. But yet, it's interesting because the letter is the longest of the letters. A small city, but long letter. There were a lot of things going on there, a lot of different uh, trade guilds, and in fact, uh, if, if you... Remember in the book of Acts, there was a lady by the name of Lydia who came from the city of Thyatira, and she was a dealer of purple cloth. And so they were all sorts of different manufacturing and, and trade guilds and dyeing works and that kinds of things. But they also had, each one of them had their associated idolatry where they would, you know, worship a certain god or whatever. So Jesus was speaking to them, this little church, this small church in a small city, but they had big problems, which kind of, you know, makes us realize that, you know, you and I, we, you know, we may be small, but, but God wants to deal with the stuff in our lives. And the truth of the matter is, uh, for the church at Thyatira, they were a mixture of good and bad, and, and, and isn't that true in our own lives too? 
That's why, you know, David says in Psalm 139, you know, search me, O Lord, you know, search, search me and try me, my heart and my mind. And if there's anything that's wrong in there, Lord, you know, lead me in a better way, the way of everlasting. And so to have that heart uh, for God to, to search us and know. He starts off in, in uh, verse 18. We'll pick it up there. He says to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write, These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. He starts off, he says, this, these are the words of the Son of God. This, these are the words of Jesus. You need to know that not just Jesus, the Son of Man, but Jesus, the Son of God. And the way he's described, again, it, these are talked about in chapter 1 as well, but it's repeated again here, that his eyes are like blazing fire, and his feet are like burnished bronze, you know, polished, very, you know, finely uh, polished. But if you think about the, these eyes, the, the vision and, and the feet that are, are like burnished bronze, what it's really, it's... It, I get this picture of this purifying, you know, uh, piercing vision that, that Jesus looks into our lives and he knows what, we, what we're all about. He knows everything about us. And he wants to purify us. He wants to make us more like himself. So to this church in Thyatira, he starts off, Jesus starts off with, with the good. In verse 19, what does he say? He says, I know. I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service, and your perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Jesus had a lot of good things to say. Uh, you know, it kind of dates me, but I, I think of that, that phrase that says, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Uh, some of you know about that, that movie. But he gives them a whole lot of good stuff that are, that's going on in, in, in the lives of the people there in Thyatira. And, and you know, he, he knows of the good things that are going on in our lives, too. You know, some people have this idea that Jesus is just, you know, uh, you know the God, God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. They just want to slam us with a big hammer. But, but they know when we're doing good. And, and Jesus compliments them. He says, I know. I know what's going on in your life. The first thing he says, I, I, I know about your deeds. I know about what you're doing. I know what your life is like. This word uh, for deeds is, is translated in, in, in a bunch of different ways and it encompasses a bunch of the different things. He says, I know your business, your employment. What it, whatever it is that you might be occupied with, your, your undertaking, your art, your industry, your products, your deeds... Anything that you do. He knows all about what our life is like, what's coming out of our lives. He knows all about that. And here he was pleased with them. You know, what, what's better than that for Jesus to be pleased with what we're doing, what we're producing, what we're working on, our business, our lives. It's not so with every church. In fact, in Sardis and, and also in the church in uh, Laodicea, he wasn't pleased with what they were doing. He told them that. The second thing he talks about there is their love. He, he, and it's the word agape love. And he saw love in their lives. He saw love in the church there. And, and, and Jesus talked about it in the Gospel of John. He says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so he saw love there. 
That's a beautiful thing for, for in, in our lives as individuals in our church. If there's no love in our church, you know, we're, we're, we're not really hitting the mark at all. To let the Holy Spirit, this, this fruit of the Holy Spirit come out. The first fruit of the Holy Spirit is love, it says in the book of Galatians. So he talks about deeds, he talks about love. The third, things he, uh, third thing he talks about there is service. And this is the word uh, diakonia, which is where we get our word for deacon. And it, it really, it, it means serving, and it means ministering, it means uh, serving other people. He saw that, that they were serving one another. What a beautiful picture that is, that, that the church was serving. And, and again, the same for, for any church that we would be involved in serving people, serving one another, serving God in whatever way that he asks us to do. Now, we're not all the same. And in fact, in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about the fact that there are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And, and it, it says there that to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So each one of us has, has been given a different way to serve. I really wish that, that each one of us would would. Ask the Lord, well, what is it, Lord, that you've asked me to do? What, how is it that you've called me to serve? What kind of service is it, is it you know, for me? Is it making meals for somebody? Is it serving with children or with youth? Is it learning how to play an instrument? Is it singing? Is it you know, uh, going out with the gospel on a mission field? There are so many different things. Is it going and, and being a witness uh, at the job where I'm at? Is, do I have the gift of administration or the gift of helps? There's so many different ways. But do you know if, 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 if someone asked you, how do you serve, would you be able to answer them? That's a big question. I remember David Guzik said that, that each one in the body of Christ needs to know a specific place that they serve. The next thing he says, he commends them for in the category of good is that their faith, that they, they had this faith, they had this conviction, they had, they had this belief and trust in, in the Almighty God, that God exists, that God is the creator, and that Jesus is the Savior of the world. He saw that they had faith in him, and he commends them for it. It's good, it's powerful, it's real. The next thing he talks about there is their perseverance. Their perseverance. And, and really what this is, is this, this patient enduring. This patient, hopeful enduring that we're not giving up, that we're going to continue on. Even when we have technical difficulties, what are we going to do? Just give up? Well, I guess not. No, we continue on. we got to keep at it. Persevere. One person defined this word as unswerved from deliberate purpose and loyalty to faith and life by even the greatest trials and sufferings. No matter what comes our way, no matter what kinds of trials and sufferings we might face, that we're going to keep going. We're not going to be, you know, pushed off the path. But, but the last thing on that list is I think what... What strikes me even more is that he says that you are now doing more than you did at first. In other words, they were growing. 
you know, as disciples of Jesus, you know, we need to be growing. He wants us to grow. He wants us to get closer to him. He wants us to get, you know, grow in all these different areas that we just mentioned. You know, if we're not growing, we're, we're stagnant. And stagnant water is not good. Stagnant bodies of water are, are, are horrible. He wants us to grow. He wants us to be letting the water of life, of the river of life, come into our lives and, and go out where we're, we're growing and we're we're, we're learning and we're becoming more like Jesus. Paul talks about it in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. He says, We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love every one of you has for each other is increasing. So two of the things that we see in this uh, letter that Jesus gives to the church in Thyatira, Paul talked about, he saw that. He saw that their faith was growing and that their love that they had for one another was increasing. We need to pray and ask God that we might grow. That we might grow. So all these things that, that Jesus spoke to them about were good. They were, he commends them for. And, and he knows in each one of our lives, he knows in our churches, the things that we're getting it right. But there's no perfect church. There's no perfect believer, and, and there are areas that he wants to address. So moving on to the, the negative or the bad in their lives and their church there, he says this in verse 20, Nevertheless, nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. And by her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. You know, we can't be afraid to hear what God wants to tell us and teach us because he disciplines us for our good. He disciplines those that he loves. But in that particular church, they were tolerating. He says, you tolerate, you allow this woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet prophetess she was self-appointed she wasn't called by God she wasn't sent by God and and that's a a very dangerous thing to have someone who who believes that you know uh, they they appoint themselves as having a word from God and a message from God but the 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 thing that Jesus is talking to this church about is that they tolerated it they allowed it why why did they do that uh, you could say in the, in the words of today, in the name of tolerance, in the, in the name of unity. You know, that's a big word. Well, you know, we, we need to have tolerance. We need to tolerate. We need to accept everybody and everything. And, and, and in a sense, we do accept everybody. And, and, and Jesus says, come as you are. But the church, you know, we've been, giving, we've been giving, uh, given a script. A, a a book of scripture that, that we need to follow. And, 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 you know, we can't just say anything goes and everything goes and anything is okay. Everything is okay. So that, so that in the name of tolerance, you know, we're good to everybody. Was there an actual person in the church there whose name was Jezebel? Uh, we don't know. Or was it after the pattern of, of this woman Jezebel in the Old Testament, this woman who, who spread a lot of bad stuff? Uh, here it says that she was misleading the servants of God by, 
by her teaching and into sexual immorality and the eating of of food sacrificed to idols, uh, idolatry. We talked about these things last week. Uh, the, The sexual immorality is so prevalent in our society, and there are churches that you can go to today, and they don't maybe necessarily have someone named Jezebel in the church, but they'll say, you know what, no matter what you're into, it's okay, come join us. It doesn't matter what you think about marriage, what you think about, you know, sexual relationships. You can, you know, it's all okay. Just come and join us. Jesus says, no, it's not okay. You need to follow what the Bible teaches, what my word teaches. You can read about this woman Jezebel in First and Second Kings, and she, she promoted idolatry and immorality and, and witchcraft in, in the nation of Israel. She killed the Lord's prophets who spoke out for the truth. She threatened the prophet Elijah. She urged her husband, who was a king, to do evil in the eyes of the Lord. But really, when you get down to what, what is it that she's teaching, and, and, and how, can we, how can we understand that for today? Because again, there, it doesn't necessarily mean there's a woman named Jezebel. But, but it's this idea that, that anything goes... The theological term is antinomian, meaning without any kind of law, without any kind of guidelines. Anything goes. It doesn't matter how you live. Paul said, you know, God forbid that we should, you know, sin so that grace may abound. And, and you know, we write, we rewrite, you know, what the Bible says, but, but, but in the in the scripture, in the Old Testament, it says, you know, we can call evil good and good evil. And, and that's, what we, that's what we can do. But we need to go by what the Bible calls good and understand what the Bible calls evil and, and what sin is. And, and he explains it to us, not so, again, so that he can hammer on us, but so that we can go the right way and live the right way for our own benefit. What is the answer that he gives to this church here in Thyatira, it's pretty much the same that he speaks about in five of the seven churches. So if he asks you, know, you and I that we need to repent and turn back to him, let's not be afraid of that. You know, it, it, it's, you know, he has to do it to five of the seven churches here in the book of Revelation. You know, it's common. We're, we're all sinners. And we, there are things we need to repent of. And, and he says... I want you to repent. What does it say in verse 21? It says, I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. I've given her time, and God gives her time. He's patient. He's patient with with her. He's patient with us. God gives her time, but, you know, it's a a function of his mercy and of his grace, but, but it's not unlimited time. But the truth is, this is how God operates, is that he, he gives his, his mercy. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 2. He says, do you, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness and his tolerance and his patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance? All those things, his kindness, tolerance, patience, and, and, and lead us toward repentance. But he goes on to say, but because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant 
heart. You're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. There will be a day when God's judgment will, will happen. Let us not be in that category of being stubborn, stubborn and unrepentant in, in our hearts. Because there will be a judgment that will come. He says there in verse 22, So I will cast her on a bed of suffering. I will make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely or, or have great tribulation. Unless they repent of her ways. Unless they repent. Later on in the book of, of Revelation chapter 9, it says, uh, speaking of some who still did not repent, no matter all the things that he allowed during this great tribulation period, which it speaks about, it says still they did not repent. And then chapter 16, it says they refused to repent. You know what? I don't want to be here during this great tribulation. I'm, I'm going to have my heart right and follow after him. And, and as a believer, I don't believe that you and I, as true believers and followers of Jesus, that we will be here during the great tribulation. But if we refuse to repent and follow after Jesus, and we don't allow him into our lives and hearts. That's what we have to look forward to. This time of tribulation that will come upon the earth that, you know, coronavirus is nothing compared to what the book of Revelations, uh, Revelation tells us is coming. He's given you and I time to repent. Maybe we are believers and there are things in our lives that we need to repent on. Or maybe we're unbelievers and we need to turn to him. We need to repent now. He's given us time, but it's not unlimited time. It's not, you know, without end. There will come a time. Verse 23 says, I will strike her children dead, then all the churches will know that I am he who searches hearts and minds. And I will repay each of you according to your deeds. The Lord knows our hearts and minds. He's searching them. He knows us. And he knows what, what's in our hearts and our minds come out into our deeds as well. There will be a reckoning, a time. You know, one of the things it talks about in the New Testament is, is the fact is that we will reap what we sow. It says in the book of Galatians, he says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. We will reap what we sow. God is not mocked. He cannot be mocked. There's a spiritual principle in the universe that, that whatever we sow, we will reap. He says, I will repay each of you according to your deeds, according to what we have done, what we, uh, you know, what we have, how we have sown. Verse 24, we're, we're going to have to move on here. In verse 24, he says, but now I say to the rest of you, I say to the rest of you, in Thyatira, that's a hard one to keep saying, Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching, the teaching of Jezebel, and have not learned Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any other burden on you. 
Only hold on to what you have until I come. Thankfully, thankfully, there were some. Not all of those in the church at Thyatira were on board with her. Thankfully, there were many that, that hadn't, you know, followed this weird, you know, twisted teaching that, that really what he says, Jesus says here, were the Satan's so-called deep secrets. Really what they are, the depths of depravity. And really the, the, coming from the depths of hell. Not all were on board with her. There was this godly remnant. Thank God, you know, that, that there were some that said, you know, that's really weird. That's, that's strange. I'm not, I don't want to go. I don't want to go down that path, that direction. It's a decision that we make, you know, if we know what God's word says. And I think this is the way people get deceived is, is if they don't know what God's word says. And someone comes along with something and says these enticing teaching, you know, they're, you know, they'll go along with it. But if you know what God's word says and somebody comes along with some things, yeah, it's okay for you to go and do that. That's all right. The red light comes on. That, hey, that's not really right. That's not really good. He says here, he says to those who didn't get on board that bus, he says, only hold on to what you have until I come. And we talked about that word uh, last time to those that, that hold fast to the name of Jesus and to their faith. He says, hold on to what you have. Hold on to your dedication to to truth in the scripture. Hold on to that until I come. He says, I'm going to return. Hold on to the good stuff because he's coming back. He'll say something very similar to the church in Philadelphia in chapter 3. He says, I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Finally, verses 26 And following, he says, to him who overcomes and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He will dash them to pieces like pottery. Just as I have received authority from my father, I will also give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know, he says, to all those who overcome, to those who overcome, he says, I will give authority. And he quotes here really from another passage in the Old Testament referring or prophesying about what Jesus will do, that he will rule with an iron scepter. And, and, but later on, uh, excuse me, in, uh, yeah, later on in the book of Revelation, it says that we will reign with him. Excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 2. We will reign with him. We will reign with him. And so there's this purpose and this place that he will have for us that that overcome and, and, and we will be seated with him. But he says also there that he will give him the morning star. And this is quoted in later in Revelation chapter 22 is what I was thinking of. This is Jesus, the morning star. In other words, to those that overcome and, and follow his will to the end, he says he's going to give us this purpose and this place in the, in the kingdom of God, but, but he will also give us the 
morning star. In other words, he'll give us more of himself, more of Jesus. You know, we, we, I, I quote this scripture a lot because I think about it. You know, we see through a glass darkly in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We kind of see a, a, a veiled image now of Jesus, but, but we're going to see him face to face one day. I'm looking forward to that. So Jesus speaking in these last days to the church, kind of a purifying message. You got a lot of good stuff going. You got a lot of good stuff going, but, but there's still some stuff and, and I, I want to deal with you. And so the question is, what is he saying to you and to me? What is he saying to us as a church? Are there areas in our church that he wants to address? Absolutely. We, again, are not the perfect church. Are there areas in our, in our individual lives where he wants to shine the light on and, and, and get us to deal with and, and, and repent and turn back to him? He's giving us time. What are those areas? I, you know, we have, to, we have to ask him, Lord, search our hearts, search our minds, search our lives. Lord, what is it that you want to do with us? Jesus, with, the, with those eyes, with the blazing fire and the, the burnished, polished bronze feet, he, he wants to work in our lives. He has things to say to us. So we're going to pray. Again, uh, you know, it's been a different Sunday with our technology. It's been a little bit, you know, uh, difficult. But, but, you know, God's word is still true. No matter how we see it. And, and God is still speaking to us. And God is doing something very special and, and something very unique. Here at Calvary Chapel Green Meadow. Here in, in my life and in your life. And so we're going to pray and just ask him, just, just surrender and ask him to, to, to do what he wants to do in and through us. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Son, Jesus, the Son of Man, the Son of God, who came to the earth and, and <clears throat> showed us what love really was. What love is, that he, that he gave his life. He laid down his life that we would know. That we would know what your love for us is as, a, as the human race. That you love us so much. That you sent your son to die for us. That we could have eternal life and live forever and ever with you in your presence. But yet we're here now, we live here on this earth and you want to speak to our hearts and, and Jesus, you gave messages to these churches and you gave a message to the church at Thyatira and you have a message for each one of us. You have a message for our church, Lord. Speak to us, I pray. You want to purify us. I think of that song we sang, we used to sing, Purifying Fire. Purify us, Lord. That the good would, would even rise to the, you know, to the forefront and the bad would be burned away. That we would be more and more like Jesus. 
Lord, as we close, I want to pray for any maybe that need to turn to you for the very first time. Maybe you're hearing this and, 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 and you have heard about Jesus. You've heard about the fact that he speaks into people's lives and hearts and that, and that he died for you. He loves you. He wants to come into your life. Maybe that's you right now. You're listening. You can simply pray and say, Jesus, I, I ask you into my life. Please come in and and forgive me. I turn my life over to you. Come in and be my Savior and be my Lord today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.